0: Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Emma Clark, and back in the study, uh mic'd up again with <laughs> Jenny Clark. Hello, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> so, we are talking about The Ballad of Halo Jones audiobook, which was released last week. Um, we got sent an advance copy by Chloe at Penguin Random House, and we've both listened to it. And it's quite exciting, actually, to have one of our favourite stories adapted. So first of all, how do you find the idea of comic books adapted for audio?
1: I like audiobooks in general, I do. I enjoy listening to all kinds of podcasts and fictional audiobooks and stories and things. So I like that aspect, but for me, the comic books are so important visually that... It doesn't, it doesn't add anything to have them spoken, but it does remove something to have right. them only spoken, if that makes sense.
0: So you found yourself missing the Ian Gibson artwork, in a way, the interpretation yeah. of the characters. Yeah,
1: I think in the past I've listened to um, some Judge Dredd and some Strontium Dog stories, um, and then I hadn't really thought about it so much because I didn't know the source material very well. But here, especially in book one for Halo Jones, I felt like I was really missing the artwork and missing seeing the hoop and seeing all the characters and all the stuff that's sort of going on around them. So although the sound effects sort of brought a little bit more and the voice acting was very good, I did feel like there was still a bit that was missing for me in the adaptation. I don't know. How do you feel about audio books or comic books?
0: Well, we did... Last year, we did a Sandman podcast during lockdown because, you know, everybody does a podcast. Um, And we listened briefly to the Audible adaptation of the Sandman, which was even narrated by Neil Gaiman. And we talked a little bit about the slight problem of, you know, adapting audio and losing the visual element and then, you know, also what it was like with internal voices. I actually, I had a good time listening to this one. I think because I just, you know, I just love the story so much. Yeah. And hearing the story told to me um, over the three books, over the three hours that it lasts. Yeah, I found, actually, I found this one much more enjoyable and easy to get on with than I had with the Sandman one, for some reason, which I struggled with.
1: Yeah, I mean, to talk briefly about the Sandman one, one of the sort of major problems I had was some of the casting and thinking particularly of Kat Dennings.
0: Yes.
1: Because she's such a recognisable voice and, like, she has a personality as an actor already that I was very... I was thinking of Kat Dennings when I was hearing her voice, which means I wasn't really thinking of Death, who she plays in the audiobook. So, whereas here in the Halo Drones, I think the casting was much better because although some of these... Actors are pretty well known, and I did know some of them. They sort of fit better into the world, maybe because the text is a lot more futury. You know, like it's a lot more of a like um, designed speech pattern that lets you sort of go into this like future different world. Whereas in Sandman, often they're just speaking in a sort of like common modern sort of way.
0: Let's just mention the casting because um, you you said you knew them. I actually didn't know any of the actors, I think. Uh, Sheila Atten plays Halo Jones. Ellie Kendrick is Toy Molto. Uh, Yaz Zadeh is the glyph and Michael Fenton-Stevens does the lecturer and sort of the narrator voice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Kimar Bob as Rodis in the first
0: book. Right. Okay.
1: Um, so yeah, I've see the atom in some things she was in a very good adaptation of julius caesar that was originally a play and then they converted it to film right an all-female production of julius caesar which was very very good and i remembered her from that and ellie kendrick was in uh, another very good film called the leveling where she plays a character who's completely different to toy and keema bob is obviously like around in a few things podcasty ways i've heard of her and i thought she was probably my favorite right um i thought well i think when we talked about halo jones ages and ages ago i think i mentioned that Rhodes is one of my favorite characters so i think it was a good a really good casting because she really made that character is sort of the whole reason in book one where you're sort of hooked into the hoop and the hoop language and the hoop way of thinking and i think that's it was a really important character and i think they cast really well for her
0: strangely no matter how many times I've read the story or now listened to it I'd sort of forgotten the roadies stuff about her being afraid of the outside world but also being completely savvy with the hoop and working out these complicated routes to go on the shopping expedition yeah. ways to get back home and then going completely to pieces and also of course the recurring gag of those um, self-defence items that she's purchased cheap yeah. but that always
1: backfire, backfire on <laughs> literally. Her,
0: literally on her yeah okay so We liked Radice. What about, I mean, I talked about this with Pete Wells and we discussed the America audiobook last week, which is whether or not you have the voice in your head of the characters you're reading. And I found I didn't really have voices for these characters and therefore I was quite happy with their portrayal. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, I think so too. When it sort of started and I was like, oh, that's Halo, I was like, that isn't wildly different you know to what I was thinking for Halo or if I even had an idea for Halo which is odd because usually when I'm if it's especially if it's an adaptation of something I really love I have a problem initially um talking about something we've mentioned on Handful of Dust there's an audio adaptation of um Pattern Recognition by William Gibson right and in my head I was like nope that's not Case Pollard it's real. that's not that's not how she talks I couldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you what my Case Pollard talks like in my head but All I knew was, like, the audiobook was not her. Whereas here with Halo Jones, I didn't have any problems with the main female characters. I think some of the other casting didn't quite feel as right, but those were just sort of small characters who walked in and off, so...
0: Honey, in particular, because I know the one that the forum has sort of, and the Facebook have identified.
1: I think... I think we've talked about this one briefly before. It's a Lux Rough Chop.
0: Yes, who Halo Jones dances with on the Clara Pandy at the end of book two. And he is an 11-year-old boy. Yeah. And a super gazillion billionaire. And strangely is voiced by an adult actor who's doing an adult voice, as it seems.
1: Yeah, I think it's odd because there's like a... In the comic, there's a visual gag there of like this small child approaching halo to ask for a dance which is why she kind of dismisses him and i think if you had that visual and that voice it would still work because you'd be like this small child with this quite deep manly voice would you know it would be unusual but it wouldn't it would the joke would still be there about why halo brushes him off and then later discovers that he is the billionaire but just having the audio you're like why is halo being strange and, like, thinking that people are going to laugh at this man asking her to dance, it feels... Mm. It doesn't... The joke doesn't land until much later when you find out his actual age, I think, which isn't until book three, I think, they mention, like... Yeah. Clarify that.
0: Okay. I sort of... I was interested in the casting of Yazadeh as the glyph. Mm -hmm. The glyph, who we've talked about quite at length in Halo Jones three years ago when we did it on the podcast, is a... Um, interesting but problematic character
1: yeah
0: I'll just mention Yazade I know uses the pronoun they and I'm gonna say I, I don't really know too much but I'm gonna say that they would perhaps not be uh or would re- represent as perhaps non-binary
1: yeah I don't know Yaz's um identity or how they describe it themselves but um yeah they've they have a sort of strong statement about they pronouns. Yes,
0: which I thought was an entirely appropriate casting for the Glyph, who is this strange character who's changed gender (laughs) a lot and uh, unfortunately has had some complications of that process.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to give a refresher on our, our thoughts on Halo Jones last time we spoke about it, the Glyph is like a really incredible character because it's sort of an early comic book representation of what we would now call sort of gender non-conforming character, and so to pick an actor who is also um, a person who identifies to be outside of the binary of gender is is the perfect choice. Like, obviously, is the accurate and perfect choice to pick for the glyph. Um, but of course, the glyph is problematic because the representation is held back by sort of outdated ideas about gender and particular sort of gender changes um so again listening to it now with sort of everything that's been going on recently about in the UK for um transgender healthcare in particular I was sort of struck by that repetition of this sort of idea that you might change your mind that it's that it's a choice or that it's a something that you might regret and it might have a damage your personality all these things about the way the glyph damages their existence in the world um is sort of yeah it just sort of echoes a lot of the sort of quite transphobic and harmful messages that we get in the media at the moment about gender and gender reassignment and i think yeah it's it's disappointing i think the glyph is still a really important character and i'm i like that they cast correctly for the character and they didn't didn't remove the character from from the story. But yeah, it's still it's still a flawed aspect
0: yeah. of the story. I like the casting. I like the performance. Um, I still like the sort of humorous moments that the glyph is involved with. Yeah. Know, when nobody notices the glyph, I think that's still very good. But the problems of the character are the problems of 36, 37 years ago, I think. And that they... Because the other thing about the adaptations, both of America and Halo James is very faithful. They've just literally, it seems, um, you know, taken the comic books and adapted the script pretty much verbatim. I should mention again, Chris Thompson, Kate MacDonald, responsible for production and direction and adaptation and music and sound design. Yeah. Did, did you want them perhaps to have done a bit more or a bit different with the story?
1: Um, I don't think... I required that as a, like, Halo Jones fan. It, you know, I think when I read it, again, there is always that moment of, like, when the glyph dies and when Toy dies of this, like, yeah, we're just conforming to the kill your, gu- kill your gaze in quotations trope. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I'm always disappointed by that. But as, like, a person who is able to, you know, read the story and see those things in it and know that they are parts of their time and not the you know yeah. I'm able to still enjoy the parts of the story I enjoy and I'm still able to enjoy the glyph and toy without you know with separating those parts of the story out I think okay so yeah I wouldn't I think it would be hard to rewrite and change the story and I don't there's a sort of messy issue there about who owns the story and where mm. it comes from and I think when you put something official down on record, you know, the officials of 2000 AD, we've changed Halo Jones. I think that would be unnecessary.
0: Even more controversial than having Lux rothschild voiced as an adult.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will say that I was a bit thrown when I started listening to it because it starts differently and they had made an editorial decision. I don't know whether you noticed this.
0: No. Well
1: I had to pause it and run downstairs and grab your copy of Halo Jones and check because the audiobook begins with the lecturer yes. framing the story.
0: Ah, uh, right, okay.
1: Whereas in the comic book it jump we jump straight into the hoop at the beginning. So, so there's the like the
0: framing device comes between books one and two, I um, think.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um right. so I went okay. and looked. So they have it's the scene is um as it's written, but they just cut the first half of the scene and put it at the uh, beginning uh, of book okay. one. I presume as a way of like onboarding people who hadn't yes. who weren't aware of Halo Jones. Um but as soon as I realised it my head just went like Orson Wells thinks you are cowards for trying to like settle your audience thinking about like that famous War of the Worlds where you just yes. jump straight in and you don't give any warning and you don't tell people what they're here to see or here to hear even. I thought, yeah. It's okay. like I think as an audiobook, I understand why they did it, but I was like, You you know, I think it's important to the way Halo Jones is told that we don't
0: We're thrown straight in we
1: don't know head. who she is initially and we don't even know if she is the main character other than having her name at the title, you know. Okay. We're sort of following this sort of nobody. So being told beforehand that she's important is sort of hard yeah. to sort of wrap your head around, I think. So yeah, I was a bit yeah, miffed at that and I thought you can take risks with audiobooks, I think, and you should, because they're uh, very okay. effective. So
0: interesting. I quite like that as the framing device. Um, it worked for me, but I think I had a you know, I think I had more fun listening to this than perhaps <laughs> maybe maybe you found it slightly more challenging. What about I mean it's it's called the ballad of Halo Joe and ballads of course can be often sad. And one thing that struck me listening to it again was quite how much death and loss there is for Halo Jones throughout the three books. It's very sad, isn't it? You know, everybody she knows and loves or who loves her dies along the way.
1: Yeah. I did get a sense of that. I think by the end of book three, you really get this sort of like... I think by the time she re-enlists in the army that we get this sort of like almost fatalistic halo that's just like there is no there is nothing worth living for and then that sort of final i don't know kicker of finding out about her history is yeah is very frustrating for her and i think yeah reading reading it is sad and i don't think you ever come away from the book being
0: happy happy for
1: halo jones um or not happy maybe but like sort of you understand what she's gone through. And I, but I think hearing it is a bit harder and I think Sheila's performance was really good in bringing that depth of the character, um, especially in those final moments of that sort of reckoning with what's happened to her.
0: I thought she did a great job. I thought she, you know, she did she's fantastic performance as the sort of young 18-year-old hoop-speak Taylor yeah. Jones and then to the 32, 33, 34-year-old soldier... Who is, uh has been brutalised by war, has got post-traumatic shock, uh, who's, you know, seen a lot of stuff, as they say. Yeah. Been through a lot of stuff. And I, I thought that her change in her performance and her voice was brilliant. I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. When I first started listening to it, I was a bit like, oh, she sounds a bit, you know, nothing, she sounds a bit nondescript. And I my, in my head, I was like, and then I was like, no, she is. At the beginning, I had to remind myself to go in as a, blind reader and say like you no know, at the beginning she is this sort of like quiet, innocent person and then she changes. So I was really happy that the vo- that Sheila's performance changed as well and yeah. she did yeah shift through yeah. the
0: I plane. thought that was great. I thought it was really well done um, both the performance and the direction and I liked the music as well. I thought you know that worked well. Um, I really enjoyed it actually. I think I probably enjoyed this one more than the America audiobook which I really really had a good time with last week as well. Um did you have any other thoughts about the whole adaptation or the way it was told?
1: Um, I don't think there was anything that really stuck out to me. Like I said, I think it was pretty by the book, it was pretty honest and the sound effects, the music fit in really well. I particularly like the sound in the hoop segment, because that did bring a sort of like texture that isn't there in the books. Um, particularly like the music and the beat of the drummers that yeah. was really good because the hoop does have that sort of music texture yes um
0: and there's that song that they wrote um that sort of plays throughout the three books I think. Yeah. yeah future planet boy i think or something like that which they talked about and that's a nice touch to keep hearing it or versions of it or have characters singing parts of it i yeah. like that um, they've also done audiobook adaptations of Judge Dread America, Judge Dread the Pit, Slaying the Horn God, and a science fiction, um, sort of noirish Lovecraftian story called Brink, which I don't think you know, do you?
1: No, I don't know that
0: one. Any interest in listening to any of the others?
1: Um, I think I would be interested, yeah, because like I said, I've listened to other stuff before without having read the comic books, and they did sort of give me a way into that world. Um... Especially, I think we talked a little bit about, I think with Halo Jones and with Sandman, when I first started reading them, they were so 80s yes. <laughs> that it was quite hard for me to sort of like them almost because I just couldn't, I was like, I don't, I, you know, I don't know this style of writing or this style of artwork. And then once I got got more familiar with them, um, so I've, I have found that in the past reading dread stories or reading strontium dog stories that I haven't been like... I feel like i don't have the knowledge don't have the like interest to keep me you know on board until i do until i feel sort of faked it until you make it kind of thing with yeah. comic books that sometimes need to happen um so i think audiobooks give you a chance to do that um so yeah i would be interested in listening to a few more of them
0: okay I mean, the two I've listened to so far, America and Halo Jones, I personally thought they were terrific, and I'm looking forward to getting the others. I'll mention that they are available on Audible if you've got a subscription. I think they're on Kobo if you've got a subscription. The cheapest way at the moment it seems to be to go to the Google Play Store in the UK where they're £10 each, which is not too bad at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, and I'll put some links in the show notes for that sort of stuff yeah okay so the Bad Halo Jones how many stars would you give it out of five <laughs>
1: um, I give it four stars out okay, okay. <laughs> I
0: thought it was five stars I think, I think it's a five star production I um...
1: think it's five stars if you have the comic book next to you and are reading along right because I did that for a bit and it was really good <laughs> okay no,
0: it is really good that's an interesting experience an enhanced experience to read the comic yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to what they're going to do next. Um, I hope these are very successful, and I hope there'll be more of them. Um, and yeah. we'll get some of the other stories.
1: Maybe there's a bit of that too, because when, when you're listening to audiobook, you can maybe be like, "Oh, hit play next." You know, I'm sort of used to that with podcasts of being like, "Oh, get the next one up." And with Halo Jones, it's that bittersweet knowing that there will be no more. There is
0: no more. <laughs> there yes. is no more
1: Halo Jones.
0: Um, we don't know what happens after so so book three. Yeah. Only Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore now. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Talking about Neil Gaiman, uh, of course last year everybody started the podcast, we started the podcast last year, tell us about, quickly, about A Handful of Dust.
1: So we went back to the beginning of Sandman and we read every volume and did an episode on every volume, recapping and me getting my critical thoughts out and niggling away at the little things that hadn't occurred to me on my first reading or had occurred to me on my first reading and then, yeah. We shredded it a little bit and then we put it back together.
0: <laughs> yes, and we found problems in each volume as we went along. And uh, it was very—it was a fascinating process because some, story, some comic books that we both love, but also to look at them because they've... Again, it's 30 years and things have changed mm-hmm. and what looked very progressive at the time now looks somewhat creaky in places. Mm-hmm. And we had a few issues, but other than the whole... It was great to reread the whole series with a critical eye, and um, I still love the characters and the stories. I thought it was great fun. So that is Handful of Dust, which you can find at handfulofdustpodcast.blogspot.com. Again, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, We finished last November with our wrap-up. We did sort of tease that we might come back at some point with a couple of other books we were thinking about. Yeah. And we've recently found one of them. We've been to the garage (laughs) and emptied some boxes, and we found
1: black hole by charles burns
0: which is sitting here on the desk uh you've read it i haven't but i'm going to read that and we may be uh back on a handful of dust to talk about that and maybe one or two other books as well so um if you're interested go to handful of dust blogs handful of dust podcast.blogspot.com and there's a subscribe button where you can get emails when we release new episodes Cool, thank you Jenny.
1: Thank that you for having me ease. again
0: to talk about Halo Jones. <laughs> That's alright, we're always happy to talk about Halo Jones. Thank you to Chloe from Penguin Random House Audiobooks for sending us the advanced copy to listen to. Do go and get your other copy from the various links that will be in the show notes and let's encourage them to do more. Yep. Thank you for listening to Megacity Book Club. As ever, find more on megacitybookclub.com Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify and the 2008 forums. Email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com and until next time when we're passing judgment on another great book goodbye from me and
1: goodbye from me